Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the very first episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, alongside two time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Ike, good morning. You know what? I'm so excited because we got MB and IT on the Believe podcast, and it's on the Tuesday, so Taylor's going to be talking. I love it. Ike, we're planning on recording this podcast the day after the Steelers play for the rest of the season. You'll be able to listen wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary and tune in. Be sure to share, like, and comment on the podcast as well. We're recording this on the Tuesday morning after the Steelers' 27-14 win over the Miami Dolphins at Heinz Field on Monday Night Football. 27 unanswered points for Pittsburgh. Ike, what was your big takeaway from Monday Night Football? Mason Rudolph. You know, just to see the hit Mason Rudolph had, the concussion he had, uh, it was a big discretion on him coming back. Should they wait uh, and let Hodges play? But nah, uh, Mason had a rough start, and we saw that. You know, that was down 14-0. So my biggest take was, was Mason not only bouncing back from the slow start, but just carrying his team to that victory over the Miami Dolphins because at first it didn't look good at all. And to back that point, Ike, Rudolph in the first half was 9 of 20 passing for 138 yards he had a touchdown and interception we'll get into the touchdown pass in the first half in the second half he was 11 of 16 for 113 yards and another touchdown pass so really it was the tale of two halves with Rudolph on Monday Night Football well you know Mark you know the old saying it ain't how you start it's how you finish so you know Mason wound up finishing like I said the start was rocky but he wound up finishing. Um, and I think what kicked it off was that slant. You know, there was in a day meeting the Miami Dolphins. They was in a position, they was in defense. I didn't like the call. You know, it was all out blitz. Uh, it's third and 20. And you wind up getting a touchdown off of third and 20. Um, you know, I coach my son's football team. I'm not saying I'm a genius, but if it's third and 20, I'm gonna go ahead and tell my guys in the secondary to line up at the marker to make sure you just tackle in front. So that kind of kick started their offense, they went into halftime with the momentum, and we saw what Mason Rudolph did in the second half. I do want to break that play down, Ike, in our good call, bad call. We'll get to that in just a second, just because I, I was seeing that, and I was texting you during the game, and I was like, right. what is Miami doing on this play? With Rudolph, though, too, I think some of the rust that he showed early in the game, it wasn't all on him. You know, you, I think some of the team – coming off the bye week, just in general, the timing wasn't right from an offensive standpoint. And I don't think that that is completely on the quarterback. No, you also got to understand the bye week, you also got to understand Coach Randy. You know, Coach Randy did a good job of just the OC for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Coach Randy just did a good, a good job of just believing and staying with Mason Rudolph, you know, because it could have went the other way. He could have went back 
with Hodges, but you know, um, what I believe in, Mason, he's a franchise quarterback. You just take time. And yeah. you got to understand the chemistry uh, that he's trying to get with the young receivers. And when it's all failing out, who do you go to? You go to your star player, who is Juju. So Juju made some good plays before the score on the slant before halftime. So we're finally starting to see guys, because this is Juju's first role in being a number one receiver. Mason Rudolph, he's coming off the concussion. So we're Connor, you know, Snells. So we're, we're finally starting to see guys coming to their own. And second half, showing you that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers could be like. Yeah, and you were talking about Randy Fitchner. He's the Steelers coordinator. Okay. Correct. I, I want to go to the play just before half, just to paint a picture for our listeners. 26 seconds left in the half. Right. The Dolphins are up 14 to 3. And I found this stat when the Dolphins went up 14 to 0. Ike, the Dolphins hadn't been up by 14 since week five of last season. So they have, a, they have a double-digit lead. They're up 11, third and 20 with 26 seconds left in the half. And they decide to blitz all eight men and leave their defensive backs in a cover zero situation where they're in a man-to-man scenario and I texted you immediately after the play. I hate to, you know, break this game down into one single play, uh-huh. but it completely swung the momentum of the game. And Mason Rudolph connected with receiver Deontay Johnson for the slant pass that led to the touchdown. Great downfield blocking by James Washington as well. But people were claiming on online that, you know, this is just evidence that the Dolphins are trying to tank, which I think might be a little bit overstated, but to decide to blitz eight on a third and 20, what were they thinking there? They wasn't thinking, Mark. <laughs> That's the problem. And I don't like talking about coaches because I understand how hard it is being the coach. And I'm sure the D.C. would love to have that call back. But on third and 20, you can't do that, man. You can't send an all-out blitz. And Mason picked it off well. And if you just looked, at the defenders, there was damn near 13, 14 yards off the receivers. And, uh, and we talk about hitting. Uh, you mentioned blocking. So we talking about little guys running, little guys hitting, big guys running. We talk about that on defense. And getting back to the blocking part from the wide receiver core, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, when you got guys like James Washington and Juju blocking down the field, that's a want to. And the reason why that's a want to because it's not your time to shine. And we all know how wide receivers can be. So to see the urgency in that wide receiver call blocking downfield, that was something good to see. But for that call on third and 20, and we call that a cover zero blitz. And cover zero meaning you have no help inside. We sit at eight, possibly nine. Eight corners, you're on your own. You got to protect the inside. And that's something totally opposite what the Miami Dolphins secondary didn't do. They didn't protect the inside. They didn't have help. But just to call an all-out blitz on the third and 20, as soon as you text me, I was thinking the same thing. Like, man, I don't know what the D.C. is thinking on this one. The only thing that I could think of is if Miami was trying to, to knock Pittsburgh out of field goal range. And coming off the Minka Fitzpatrick interception, you thought that, you know, any score that Pittsburgh might get before the half might cut into that deficit giving up a touchdown in that scenario on a third and 20, I mean, wouldn't you want to just, 
the coverage you would probably want to play there, right? If I'm not mistaken. Cover three. I'm yeah, playing, just, if, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm going to call cover three. It's going to be a soft shell coverage. Keep everything in front of you. You're going to have your corner, your middle safety, and your other corner. And you can have four, you can have four secondary guys underneath. So, and we're going to tackle everything in front of us. That's what I would have called if I was the DC. Then worst case scenario, they're kicking three. So you give up, you kick three, um, you kick into the open end of that end zone anyway in Pittsburgh. So who knows what the kicker is going to do for Pittsburgh if he's going to make a miss depending on the down the distance on where it's at. So worst case scenario, how I'm looking at Mark. It's three points, but you give up seven, you get the momentum, and the story goes from that point on. Pittsburgh Steelers win the ball game, but, you know, also we're going to talk about in between. But, man, it's just a lot of scenarios on that third of 20. It went bad for the Miami Dolphins, and it kind of struck up the band for the Pittsburgh Steelers heading to the halftime. And I think it really gave Mason Rudolph some confidence. He's now 2-2 two and two as a starting quarterback in the NFL. He finished – with 20 completions on 36 pass attempts, 251 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The Steelers must like Rudolph, though, because Pittsburgh traded Josh Dobbs to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a fifth-round pick. I, I think now would probably be a good time to bring this up. You know, I'm seeing online when Rudolph started to struggle in that game. Some people were talking online of, oh, well, they should bring in Devlin Duck Hodges as a backup. And I, I kind of want to just shut that down immediately, and here's why. He did a great job filling in in the win against the Chargers, but he threw for only 132 yards, and he did not complete a single pass beyond 10 air yards. And so how can you go from bringing in a guy who, again, Pittsburgh must really like considering that they traded Dobbs to Jacksonville before the start of the season or early on in the season I think it would have just been a total knee-jerk reaction. And again, like we talked about off the top, it was really the tale of two halves with Rudolph. And like you said, Ike, it's how a player finishes. And clearly, Rudolph did that. You know, people always get it all with the girlfriend. Even though you got everything, you got the old faithful wife at the house. Um, but people get it all with the girlfriend. She, she might be a little bit younger. She, she looks real good, but that's short term. That's part-time. That's not forever. Um, the wife at home is forever. Um, the wife at home been through a lot. Of course, in a short amount of time, Mason Rudolph been through a lot. So not saying because of Ben, he's been out, but I always think Mason Rudolph, just from hearing from teammates and some of the coaches, coaches, he's the first one in, he's the last one out. And just by nature, he's a natural leader. And that's what you want to see. Um, he's energetic. You see when he gets on the field, it's a different kind of vibe. He's young. He has spaz, he has spunk. That's just Mason. He's not trying to be nothing. He's not. He's just being himself. So when people say that, they're not patient. You know, you got to understand. And that's what I hope for Stella fans. Like, you got to be patient and don't compare. So let Mason Rudolph create his own story. Big Ben, of course, ain't no telling whenever he retires. He's going to have his own story. He has great accolades, Super Bowls underneath his belt. He probably go to the Hall of Fame first ballot. So I just hate when people, especially fans, try to compare. When you see a good guy, and a good guy meaning Mason Rudolph, uh, when you see his talent, trust your eyes. So your eyes are telling me 
that he's a pretty damn good quarterback and believe it. So, you know, I just dislike how people just like to compare. But um, for me, Mason Rudolph is the franchise quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I hope somebody from the organization is listening because I really do believe that he can, you know, take them to the whole another level. And sometimes you just need change, Mark. Sometimes you just need change. And I'm just looking at it from a division point of view because you got Lamar Jackson, you got Baker Mayfield, you got organizations. They're changing their quarterbacks and the young guys, so you might as well go on and be a step ahead or don't be two steps behind on just wait. Um, trust your eyes, believe what you see. You see what Mason Rudolph is doing. Hopefully he can finish off the season strong. You put up a stat. You showed me some of your some of your notes. Them guys are three and four. They second in their division. So the division for the AFC North is still wide open. They still have life. So uh, just getting back to Mason Rudolph, I really do believe Mason Rudolph is that answer. I watched him at Oklahoma State. I believed in him. When they drafted him, I thought it was a steal. So that's how I feel about Mason Rudolph. And you go from right from the frying pan right into the fire with the injury earlier this year to Roethlisberger, knocks him out for the year. And Rudolph has stepped in. He's now 2-2 two and two as a starter. And that was kind of the thing, you know, he struggled a bit in the first half. But, you know, you can't just let a single – even a single game define a player. It's, you've got to see a multiple-game sample size to get an idea of what a guy can bring to the table. And once they got it rolling in the second half – Certainly, I understand it's Miami, but, you know, he's spreading the ball around and he's throwing the ball down the field. And really, that was the biggest difference between him and Hodges in the game that Hodges played against the Chargers. Now, certain that is certainly probably part of the game plan of really not trying to stretch the field a whole lot and relying on the ground game, which was also a key on Monday night in establishing right. James Conner. And uh, I, I, I just... I saw this, this other stat, too. When this season, when Connor rushes for 100 yards or more, the Steelers are 3-0 and this season. When he rushes for fewer than 100 yards, the team is 0-4. He left the game late in the fourth quarter with an apparent shoulder injury, and it's an injury that, Ike, you told me that you had when you were in college. Yeah, the AC joint. Matter of fact, I, I think I had the worst degree with my AC joint. Only played with one shoulder I wanted to say my senior year, it was bad. So I was running around. Or I had a splint underneath my shoulder pads. But, you know, I, I was a senior. And I wanted to get tape. And I wanted to play. And I wanted to go to the NFL. So I had to do whatever it took for me to get on there. That AC joint is a mother. It's a mother. Um, it's really a pain tolerance. And I have no issue because just understanding what James Conner been through, we all know he's been through a lot of pain in his career. So just trying to protect James as far as like a coaching staff, a medical staff, I'm sure they're going to protect him. They got running backs behind them, young running backs. So um, I don't think the rotation of running backs is going to be an issue, but that's a cool stat, you know. I mean, that's what I did like about the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offense last night. They stuck to the running game. They could have abandoned the running game at 14 14-0, which a lot of coaches would have. But Coach Randy, he stuck to the running game. He kept the pressure off of Mason Rudolph for the most part until he got comfortable. And that's how Pittsburgh was able to score that slant and put the Miami Dolphins in a bad situation coming out of halftime. I, I think that's a great point, too. Time of possession doesn't always tell the story of a game. 
but they held the ball for 35 minutes and 18 seconds out of the 60-minute game. And that wears a defense down when a team consistently can move the ball by running it. Connor had 6.3 yards of carry, 145 yards on the ground. It was a season high for him. And I thought that was a key to Pittsburgh's victory and be able to control the game and control the line of scrimmage. When you run the ball, it gives the offense alignment. It puts them in a situation where they're not really thinking. Because when you pass the ball, it's a lot of factors in who's blitzing, who's the mic, which gap I got. When you run the ball as an offensive lineman, you ain't doing nothing but putting your weight on a defender. And running the ball ain't nothing but attitude. And, you know, over the past couple of years, let's say five years, well known, the Pittsburgh Steelers probably had a top five offensive line. Uh, a few pro bowlers and, you know, if Castro keep playing the way he's playing, Hall of Fame, or you're worried, no pouncy, for sure he's a shoe-in Hall of Fame in my eyes and what I think first ballot. But when you have those kind of guys um, who are Pro Bowl guys, it's easy. So now you're just saying attitude and a want to. And it's getting the running back, James Conner, in a rhythm. You know, that's what you got to do. And we talk about quarterbacks getting in the rhythm and passing. Running backs need the same thing. They need carries. They need to get in the rhythm. They, uh, the game slows down to them. They get in the matrix is what I want to say. So just to see – Coach Randy not only stick to the running game, but to see James Conner get in a rhythm and in the matrix, that was good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he was two yards short of his career best in a single game. 105 of his 145 rushing yards came on runs to the left. And Ike, this stat really stuck out to me. He did not face a single stacked box of eight or more defenders on any of his 23 carries. So to me, that just even more underscores the importance and the success of Mason Rudolph to be able to pass the ball down the field. Mason has similar of a bent approach. And if I'm a receiver, I'm a light plan for Mason because he's going to throw the ball deep and he's going to throw the ball up and he's going to give you a chance. And as an NFL receiver, for the most part, if you like stats or if you like making big plays, just give me a chance. And that's what Mason did the whole night for the most part. He gave his receivers a chance, and the receivers made plays for him. Yeah, and Juju Smith-Schuster had five receptions, 103 yards receiving. It was his first game of the season where he mm -hmm. surpassed 100 yards receiving, and it was coming off of a game where he only had one catch. And then Deontay Johnson got going, too. He had five receptions, 84 yards. Both Johnson and Smith-Schuster had touchdowns in last night's game, too. So it was good to see that Rudolph was spreading the ball around and getting the ball to his playmakers. But everybody want to be Batman when they're robbing. And, and I went through this playing cornerback like, oh, I can do what I'm doing. <laughs> no, you can't. It's hard being Batman. And I think Juju is finally saying when he was robbing, AB's not there anymore. It's hard being Batman. But now he's taking on that role. He started to make plays. You start to see Juju as a young Juju. Don't forget, he's just 22 years old. You start to see Juju be the, the leader of that wide receiver core. And for me, he's a good leader because he's all passionate. And for him, it's all love. He's just a fun, caring, free will guy. And over his short career, Juju has been through a lot. Adversity, I mean it. You know, he's fumbled the ball in the Saints game last year. 
I think he had a costly fumble this year. So, but he's showing how to bounce back. So once him and Mason Rudolph get on that same page, I think it's going to be a good threat between the two, especially with that relationship. But just to see Juju talk to younger receivers, even though he's still young, he's showing me that he's a young leader on that team. Absolutely. I want to move to the defensive side of the football okay. now. Steelers won the turnover battle four to one. Two of those turnovers, Minka Fitzpatrick, two interceptions in last night's game. Magic Minka, that's what I call him. Magic Minka, man. Because ever since the Steelers have acquired that trade for Magic Minka, he ain't been doing nothing but just showing magic on the field. You know, he's been that spark. I and mean, we talk about turnovers. And what I do know about Coach Tomlin, he likes his turnovers. Because just coming from the Bucks and, and Rondé Barber, and he was a DC with Minnesota. Them boys created turnovers. That's what he's looking for. So Minka, Magic Minka is Coach Tomlin's personality. That's exactly what Coach T is looking for in a secondary safety slash cornerish kind of guy, what Minka is doing. He's spark. He shows up in big games. He's very knowledgeable. And if you just heard what Booger was saying last night off ESPN on how highly Coach Tomlin speaks of him, he's just a good dude. He's just a good dude. It's just like having a cat in the house. You ain't got to worry about him. They take care of themselves. They know how to be professionals. And that's what Minka, Magic Minka, I like to call him, that's what he's doing. And you can just see his performance on the field. Not only with Devin Bush, if Devin Bush stays healthy, he's going to make a strong case of being defensive player of the year as a rookie, I think, because he's playing on that kind of level. Rookie of the year for a defensive side, I think, if he stays healthy, it could be a shoe win. But don't forget about the young Bosa over that San Fran. He stayed this case too. So just to see a guy, Devin Bush and Minka, Devin Bush is as advertised. He's that guy. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker. That's what I want to say. Minka, he's Coach Tomlin personality and exactly what Coach T is looking for as a secondary guy. And I'm sure Coach T and the organization is happy. They acquired that trade from the Miami Dolphins because I think they loved him coming out of Alabama. They just couldn't get him. The team moved up 10 spots to get Bush. Correct. He didn't have any turnovers last night. He did have seven tackles, though. Of the team's 19 takeaways, Devin Bush has been part of six of those. So right. he played, and he actually won the AFC Defensive Player of the Week for his performance against the Los Angeles Chargers, you've got to be really excited that you've got two young playmakers on the defensive side of the football. That Ryan Shazier you're looking for, that's Devin Bush. That's what they was missing. Um, obviously, we all know what happened with Ryan Shazier, but that's what Ryan Shazier was doing. He was creating and causing turnovers. He just had a knack of being around the ball. And as a rookie, you're seeing that with Devin Bush. He just got a knack of causing havoc and being around the ball. He's a turnover machine. So for a while, they was looking for a Ryan Shazer and then wind up getting him in a Devin Bush. Before the Dolphins game last night, the Dolphins-Steelers game last night, they traded their running back, Kenyon Drake, to the Cardinals before the game. Did you ever have an experience where a player or a teammate of yours was traded right before a big game? Nah, we, we kept everything tight. That's, that's one thing I did like about the Pittsburgh Steelers. We just, we was family, man. It's a, it's a brotherhood. And 
if we would have heard anything of anybody getting traded, we probably would have went to the front office and told them no. Because that's, that's how we felt about each other. If you was to get traded, it had to be something serious. The organization just pretty much had to be tired of one, what you're doing off the field, or they just wanted to move on. And the only person I can think of is Santonio Holmes, Tone. You know, they traded Tone to the New York Jets at the time. Now, Tone just coming off a, a Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> you know, season the year before. That's probably the only, that is the only trade I've known that was a major trade. And we missed him. We missed Tone because Tone, to me, was one of the first receivers that took slants to the house, you know, that backside. And he wasn't that big, but he was strong as an ox. So them arm tackles, them coming up with the forearms on, against Antonio Holmes, that wasn't working. You had to really form tackle Antonio Holmes. But in my mind, he was probably one of the most underrated, strongest guys. I, I went to get very smooth, very smooth route running, very smooth, strong as an ox. Now, he was another one who took from Heinz Ward that blocking mentality, you know. So just getting on your trades, Santonio Holmes was the trade that uh, we really couldn't do nothing about. I think they was just they just felt like it was time to move on, and that's what happened. And I think you have the real possibility, Ike. We'll see what happens next week, but the Dolphins, I think, have a legitimate chance. They were 14-point underdogs last night. They did cover because they only lost by 13. Right. They play the one and six Jets next weekend. The Bengals are also still winless. Just from a purely statistical probability standpoint, it's almost as difficult to go zero and sixteen as it is to go sixteen and zero. Right. And I think there's a real chance that one of those two teams goes winless this season. Yeah, it's tough, MB. It'll hurt going zero and sixteen, but just looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's just him. You know, he's a He's a six-game guy. You know, he, he maxed out for six games. You know, he's going he's gonna to bring Spunk if he's coming off the bench. He's a six-man in basketball. You know, that, that's, that's how I look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a six-man in basketball. He's going to give you four or five good games. But that's pretty much it. That's just – and I'm not saying this just to be mean. That's what he's shown just over the course of his career. You know, he's a six-man coming off the bench. Um, you ask him to be a 16-game starter – you're going to have issues. And we saw that last night. They started off hot, 14-0. And the fire just burned out slowly but surely with the Miami Dolphins. But that's just Fitz. Fitz magic. It, the abracadabra only, only worked for so long. That's how I feel about the Dolphins. With the Bengals, you know, coaching staff, coaching change. Um, A.J. Green, he's hurt, which, which is huge for their offense. On the defensive side, uh, they struggling. So, Dalton, who knows how long Dalton going to be there. But, man, it, it would be tough going 0-16. You know, if it's anybody, I think, who's going to win a ball game for them, I think the Cincinnati Bengals won't be the team that go 0-16. I can see Miami, how they play, and some of the calls they were calling on defense, and just knowing the ceiling for Ryan Fitzpatrick, I can see them going 0-16. The way that this game started last night, I thought that Fitzmatrick or the bearded wonder, whatever you want to call uh, right. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
it might be one of those games where he just gets hot and you can't slow him down because he has shown through stretches in his career. We, we saw it here in Tampa Bay when he was filling in for Jameis Winston with Winston's suspension that it was like, oh my gosh, where's this guy been throughout his whole career? There's a reason why he's been a bit of a journeyman and he's gone to different teams in the league. I think your analogy of him being a six-man in basketball is just spot on. You hit the nail on the head with that one. A couple of other tidbits I want to get to. Ike, one of the things I've noticed, I'll be, I'll be watching a game, it'll be on Twitter, and the team accounts when they post the graphics for what the score is at the end of the quarter, at halftime, or at the end of the game, but really the quarter and halftime. In the, in the first quarter, the Steelers posted, you know, they're down 14 nothing in, in the first quarter. And the reactions on Twitter, you would think that the world were ending. It, it's one of those things where it's like, we live in this world now where people just want instantly whatever it is that they want or whatever it is that they're hoping for. And you have people, you know, claiming that Duck Hodges should come in or the Steelers should fire their coaching staff or how pathetic it is. And it's just one of those things where it's like, Let's see what happens moving forward. But when I watch football now, and this just isn't just the NFL, this is also at the college level. Look at the reactions of fans of a team account when they post the social graphic. It is pure comedy. Just being in Pittsburgh for 12 years, them fans are spoiled. They are very, they are very, very spoiled. You want to get rid of Coach Tomlin because he finally struggling out of how many years? What is his 14th year? So he's never had a losing season. The season isn't over with. It's not going the way you like or which you think. Seven, meaning Big Ben, is injured for the season. The AFC North is still wide open. And you complaining. And I'm saying you as in a fan. And you complaining. So you don't want to have patience. You can't see the big picture. So there's no hope. Now, other than Coach Belichick and Harbaugh over there with the Ravens, there's nobody really been more consistent than Coach Tomlin. And how many coaches can say, I've never had a losing season. But since it's not going the way you think, and the Dolphins are 0-6, 0-7, and Pittsburgh is down 14-0, we need to get rid of Coach Tom. So that's like you going to work and never having a bad day of work. Basically, that's what you tell them. And I'm talking to the fans. So fans get caught up in their feelings, and I get it. They get caught up in their feelings. I get it. I get it. But to not give this man, this man meaning Coach Tomlin, any credit, no chance, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. And we're talking about an organization that's used to winning. And for the most part, that's all Coach Tomlin has been doing. He's been, this year, he's done, he's done more with less. More with less. To lose your starting quarterback, to lose your starting quarterback, to let go Le'Veon Bell, then A.B. go. So now we got to start all over. And to have a James Conner and a Juju, I'm feeling good with Big, Big Ben being quarterback. Oh, snap. Big Ben gets hurt. 
So who we got? Mason Rudolph. Let's see what Mason Rudolph can do. Mason Rudolph starting to handle this business. Oh, oh, by the way, defense finally coming together, creating turnovers. So now they're looking like the defense of old. And at 14 to zero, because I was looking at the same thing on Twitter, MB. 14 to zero, I'm just sitting back like, God, y'all really, y'all really are some spoiled ass fans. <laughs> You'll notice this now from whenever you watch football, whenever these graphics are posted, Right. It's it's every fan base too. It's not just the Steelers fans, but and it'll be even if it's you know the result of the game. Say the Steelers have lost this game. It's one game, like it, it's one game for right. a sixteen game season. I'm not trying to underscore the importance. I'm not trying to underscore you know how bad Miami has been this season. But it's one of those things where it, it's just – it's hilarious to me. It's absolutely hilarious to me because it's just people's knee-jerk reaction instead of actually thinking critically of what's going on. Yeah, you know, fans, man, they, that's why we call them fans. They, they get in their feelings. That's what fans do. They, they get in their feelings. So I get it. If you're interested in advertising or becoming a presenting sponsor of the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen, please contact – Believe Podcast Network at Believe.com. That is B-L-E-A-V.com. B-L-E-A-V.com. NFL trade deadline at 4 o'clock today. We'll see if anyone else is on the move. Ike, before we get into Taylor talk, I do want to ask you, were there any other NFL storylines that stood out to you in week eight of the NFL season? Just seeing what San Fran is doing on the West Coast. You know, seeing them undefeated, seeing how they win the ball games. They win the ball games on defense, and they win the ball games running the ball. Like Garoppolo, you know, this this is really his first year starting. Truly, under coach Shanahan, but just to see the attitude, you know, a, a lot of first rounders, GM Lynch. If nobody knows nothing about Lynch when he played safety for the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Denver Broncos, him as a GM, that's been his personality on defense. No thinking, run fast, be violent. And they've had a lot of first round picks on that defense and they slowly but surely come together. You get a vet, and Sherm at the cornerback position. So he's teaching the young guys how to be a professional and slowing the game down for them in that secondary. And he's still doing it at a high level because he's been doing it a while. But that would be my surprise. It's fun watching them. On the flip side, you look at <laughs> what the GOAT is doing to Tom Brady, TV 12. <laughs> so three of his starting receivers right now were former quarterbacks. I'm going to say this again. Three of his starting receivers were former quarterbacks right now in the league, right now, because we forgot Edelman was a quarterback in college. The other young guy from NC State played quarterback, and they just picked up a guy who was working a night shift <laughs> at a restaurant. So only time can do what he's doing. And I've had the opportunity to talk to James Harrison, who played a couple of games with Tom Brady. And he was like, bro, he's just 
And he's so much of a leader, you got to fall in line. You know, if the meeting's at 9, he's there at 8.55. He's the first one in, the last one out. So for me, I just look at TB12 like he's still playing with that chip on his shoulder because he was a six-round draft pick. So when you're a first-round draft pick as a quarterback, you're going to get a lot of opportunities and a lot of chances. So imagine just being a six-round draft pick with a short leash. And what Tom has been doing for the past, what, 20 years, and what he's working with this year, it's amazing to me just to see what he's doing. But getting to them two teams, the Patriots and San Fran, they just fun to watch. And at age 42, it seems to be the Patriots and the rest of the AFC kind of circling back on how you were talking about the 49ers, that NFC West division, 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, and the Cardinals at least look respectable with Kyler Murray. Just might be football's best division there. Oh, 100%. I agree because you see what Danger Russ is doing in Seattle, (laughs) you know? So, and we we don't really talk about them a lot because they're on the West Coast, but please don't sleep. Please don't sleep on Russell. Please don't sleep on him because he's been doing it for a long time. And he's, he's been doing it with some former defensive lineman who's playing offensive line. And when the Legion of Boom left, what is he going to do? He's taking that organization on his shoulder. So I think we're there at five and two. Six, six and two now. Six, six and two six now. Six and two? Yeah. Just, just seeing him carry that team on his back and making plays. Um, even seeing a little Lockett, like Lockett ain't Lockett playing like he's six three, you know, going across the middle, making one hand catches, jumping up for balls, coming down with balls. So he's playing at a high level. But just to see, I would say Seattle, my two sleeper teams, Seattle on the West Coast, and please don't sleep on the Buffalo Bills. Please don't sleep there, Josh. Josh Allen, Josh. He, he's a, he's another high energy, energetic, but you could tell he has a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence. And that can be contagious. And just seeing what their defense is doing, the Buffalo Bills defense is doing, they playing some good solid D2. We'll see what happens there. In the AFC North, Steelers trail Baltimore. The Ravens are at 5-2. and two. Steelers improve to 3-4. and four. We'll see if Pittsburgh can get back to 500 next weekend's at home playing the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts come in at five and two, first in the AFC South. Colts have won three in a row as well. Opening the line, the Colts are favored by a point and a half. And the Steelers will have to prepare for a team on a shortened week coming off of last night's Monday night football. I think the Steelers on the road. I think they finally, you know, coming off that bye just took a while. Coach Randy, what I did like about him, and we talked about this earlier in the show, he stuck with the running game. You know, and I think he's going to do the same thing with the Colts, stick to the running game, let Mason get in the rhythm. The receivers are starting to get comfortable. So time will tell, but I can see this is back at the crib, meaning back at home for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can see them winning this ball game. I want to go to Taylor Talk now. I, before Monday Night Football, they were showing footage of the Mud Bowl, November 26, 2007. It was a 3-0 to zero win over the Miami right. Dolphins, a game that was decided by a field goal with 17 seconds left to play in what looked like maybe some of the worst field playing conditions 
you can imagine. What do you, what do you remember about that game? Is, is funnest a word? Heck, I just, made, I just made up a word. That was probably the most funnest game I've ever played in, the Mud Bowl. And that's just the way we liked it. Like, teams used to complain all the time about how bad our field was, and we loved it. <laughs> we loved it. We didn't want no new grass. We didn't want our grass looking good. We didn't want the field looking good. We wanted our field like some slop. So, and it was all mental for us and for the opponent. So when you came into Heinz Field, first thing you was thinking was, what are my traction for my shoes? How bad this field is? And we're thinking, oh, you ain't worrying about the football game. You worrying about what, you, what kind of cleats you're going to put on. So we always felt like that was, that was the edge. And I think it rained. It rained a lot. And you know, Heinz Field, we have, during that time, we had high school. Then you had the University of Pittsburgh, then us. So picture putting grass on the interstate. It's not going to last long. It's not going to last long at all. And we love that traffic on the field. But that mud bowl was probably one of the funnest, like I said earlier, one of the funnest games I ever played. It was, it was, it was a lot of hitting. Because I remember Ricky, Ricky Williams was the running back. And we had to bring our big boy, big boy pass as Coach John Mitchell, former defensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, it's going to be one of these games where you got to bring your big boy pass. So you had to bring your big boy pass, especially going against Ricky. Even though they felt like Ricky didn't have nothing left in the tank, he was hard to bring down. It was, it was all running. It was, it, it was fun. It was sloppy. It was nasty. But that's just how we liked it, MB. Sounds like just like you're in the backyard, like when you're a kid. 100%. So we also want to bring in listener questions as we continue to do this moving forward in future weeks. So if you have questions for us, you can reach out to us on social media. I'll be sure to leave that in the show notes as well. So if you have questions for us or questions about this podcast or you know what's going to happen with the Steelers or the NFL moving forward, please feel free to reach out to us. Ike, I think we're both on the Astros tonight. Game six, headed back to Houston. The Astros lead the Nationals three to two in that series. I think we're both on Houston uh, in this series. Altuve, I'm a huge fan of Jose. You know, I'm a huge fan of him. He's just against all odds, beat the odds kind of guy, you know. And they was doing a – they did a special on him earlier this year. You know, he, he struggled. He struggled earlier. But the only person that can get you out of your situation is you. And he got himself out of that situation. And just to see the Astros, man. Like, really, I'm not even really a baseball fan. But doing the playoffs, you know, I like all sports doing playoffs. So just to see the Houston Astros, because they was down. They was down. So now they made it a series uh, against the Nationals. So just to see what they're doing, just to see them bounce back, uh, it's fun to watch. You know, I, I hate to say it, but. You know, this, this is a good time to be watching baseball, especially in the playoffs. So I get excited for the playoffs for baseball. So it's a lot of good stories. Um, I'm not really a baseball fan, even though my son do play baseball. But baseball in the playoff time ain't nothing like it. What sports does your son play? He played football and baseball. Like my son, uh, they say hand speed. My son, I think he had 12 games out of 12. He had eight home runs. So they say he got real good hand-eye coordination and hand speed. Um, I played baseball when I was young. I actually, I was an all-star 
I play catcher, pitcher, center field. So I call that six o'clock, if you know what I'm talking about. But, um, Swiss, Swiss Army knife player. Yeah, but not on the level how my son is. My son is on a whole nother level. Of course, he just love. He's real, real, real good in baseball, but football is just his love. Like, so we got practice tonight. So I coached my son's football team. We won a championship last year. We got some rings last year. But my son plays safety quarterback and receiver. But of course, you know, he liked coming downhill and FaceTiming people. <laughs> that's, that's what I call it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Ike, I think that's pretty much a wrap. We're going to continue to do this in a week after the Steelers play the Colts. This has been fun. Anything else you want to add before we sign off here? No, nah, make sure y'all check me and MB out every Tuesday. Uh, make sure you check my Taylor Talk Tuesday. Follow us on this podcast, Believe, every Tuesday in the morning. Stay tuned because we got more to talk about. We're just getting started. But the fire, <laughs> the fire will get bigger. So. Stay tuned to me and MB. Uh, that's Mr. Mark, of course. Check us out every Tuesday morning. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.